0: well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed welcome to another edition of bearing arms cam and company my name is cam edwards glad you're with me on the program today we're going to be talking with my friend and bearing arms contributor ryan petty who has a um, beefy look at why the atf can't be reformed why it needs to be abolished Uh, That is at BuryingArms.com. But when I uh, started going through Ryan's piece and editing it, I thought, you know, I want to talk with Ryan about this. So Ryan's going to join us here in just a couple of minutes uh, to talk about his excellent piece, laying out all of the reasons why reform just simply isn't enough when it comes to the abuses that we've seen from the uh, ATF in recent years. Before we get to that conversation, however, let's talk about this for just a second. Biden's America. It is crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink, as you well know, every time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline and completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that's why you should call GoldCo, so you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner. 2022 Company of the Year, thousands of five-star reviews, and they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call GoldCo at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. And now let's kick off our conversation with Ryan Petty about why reform isn't enough when it comes to the ATF. Take a look and a listen. Ryan, thanks so much for coming to the show. It's good to see you again.
1: And it's always a pleasure to uh, be here, my friend, and uh, great to talk to you today.
0: Absolutely. Well, listen, I, uh, I I was you know editing your piece about the ATF, and I thought, you know what? I I want to talk with Ryan about this. This is a, a, just an excellent, um, I, I think, statement about where the ATF is, what has gone wrong, um, and why, in your opinion, Reform is not enough. Uh, in fact, reform isn't really an option. Um, the, you know so so let's kind of go back to the beginning uh, of your piece here. You talk about some of the things that the ATF has been doing, right? Whether it is uh, you know revoking FFLS for minor clerical errors, whether it is you know uh, trying to pass new. Trying to write new laws basically out of uh, regulations. The latest of which is this uh, demand letter that's going out about solvent traps, um, and, and that is not a formal rule yet. Um, but I think we're heading in that direction. But we've also seen, you know, the rules regarding frames and receivers, stabilizing braces. Now the engaged in the business rule that the uh, ATF is promulgating. Um and then you have all of the other abuses whether it's Operation Fast and Furious whether it's the you know, storefront sting operations that uh, have been taking place again ATF agents showing up at people's homes and demanding that they turn over uh any items that they might have like a, a solvent trap or a, a stabilizing brace and you know all of these abuses that you describe taken in in toto really do I think portray an agency that is deeply troubled um, and, and intentionally so with the Biden administration, right? It's not that these are rogue agents who are acting outside of the agency's authority. They're doing exactly what Steve Dettelbach and Dettelbach's boss, Joe Biden, want them to do.
1: They are they are doing that, uh, Cam. And in fact, what inspired me to write this piece was another uh, another article that uh, was published by the Second Amendment Foundation uh, just I think a week ago or in the last week, where they talk about um, it, it, a great writer, um, um, Lee Williams. Williams. Talking, yeah, Lee <laughs> yeah. Williams talking about. Um, Undoing the 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 work that the Biden administration has done over the last four years, and I it, it got me thinking. You know, he he's absolutely right. He's laid out a fantastic roadmap for undoing all the bad things that have been done. But it got me thinking. This is just the, this is the problem we're facing right now. I thought back to a, a time I sat with Senator Lee just after Parkland, and he walked me through the what's happened in D.C. and how we've lost our way. Congress has abdicated its, its legislative authority to the executive branch. and We have unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats writing laws, right, that you and I can go to jail if we violate. And none of this would be pleasing to our founders. And so I started thinking about what Lee had written. And I said, hey, wait a minute. Uh, I don't think just undoing what Biden has done is, is far enough. And then, you know, we haven't really talked about this, but, you know, for my day job is typically uh, I've been a management consultant. I've been inside of companies and outside of companies and brought in to help uh, to help fix companies on a number of occasions. And part of part of what I do is to come in and assess the situation and figure out what's going on. And as I stepped back and sort of applied the tools of my trade to the ATF, I looked at it and I said, wait a minute, I've seen problems like this before and you can't just reform your way uh, to a better ATF. I think what we have to do is step back and say, um, we have to transform the ATF. And and part of what we do as management consultants is kind of what we sit down with the leadership team and we do these thought exercises. So what if, you know, what if the company did X, Y, or Z? Or what if we thought about our customers differently? And that got me thinking, what if the ATF viewed its mission in an entirely different way? What if it wasn't here to tell us what to do, to make law, enforce law? And quite frankly, I, I think they view their their job as putting limits on, on our constitutional rights, right? All in the name of public safety, right? They They think they're doing something that is virtuous. But what if we flipped the paradigm? Uh, here's a word for management consulting that's uh, fallen out of favor, but uh, <laughs> I'm showing my age. But what if we flipped the paradigm and the ATF's mission was one of facilitating the exercise of the Second Amendment rights that we have as Americans? What if the ATF looked at its role regarding FFLs as enabling um, lawful commerce and promoting lawful commerce? And that made me think wow we've got to do more than reform the ATF we need to fundamentally transform it and and I put a I put a plan in place so to speak of what would need what would be required to fundamentally transform the ATF and short of the ATF being willing to be transformed I think we have to abolish it and that's the that's the thrust of my piece
0: yeah so I want to go back to a couple of things that you talk about. First of all, the 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 transformational, the idea of, of shifting the ATF so that it is a body that rather than, you know, regulating and constricting, um, the right to keep your arms, it is a body that is out there promoting it. And you know, I mean, you look at the very name of the ATF, right, the Bureau of the Alcohol, Tobacco, Farms, and Explosives. These are Lumped together, right? These are all sort of sinful things, right? That are are maybe legal to own, but, uh, you know, look down upon. And I think you're absolutely right. We need to take firearms out of that equation, right? Um, We have a right to keep and bear arms. Now, we don't have a right to smoke tobacco in the Constitution. You could argue that we've got a right to uh, drink alcohol now that the you know prohibition has been repealed, but it's still not an explicitly stated yes. You have the right to consume alcohol. Same with explosives, right? So I think that there is something to that idea, and I think Lee Williams even touched on this, right? Using DOJ's civil rights division to go out and prosecute Second Amendment violations, as opposed to using the DOJ to uphold every one of these federal gun control laws. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that you're really onto something there because. When the federal government is treating gun ownership as a disfavored activity, um, you're, I think there, uh, there's an automatic assumption that we're not talking about a real right or that we're talking about a right that could be treated differently than our First Amendment rights or our Fourth Amendment rights or any of the other rights that are enshrined in the Constitution. And you know, the Supreme Court has talked about the Second Amendment as a second class right and how that shouldn't be the case. Well, this I think is one example of how the federal bureaucracy and how the executive branch itself treats the Second Amendment as a second-class right. So, if the ATF can't be reformed, um, you know, the, look, the political reality is, Ryan. If you tell people uh, we're going to abolish the ATF, there are going to be a lot of Americans who say, "Well, what's going to happen with the gun laws? Who's going to enforce the gun laws?" We're 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 not. You're not calling for anarchy. As much as some people might want you to, right? Um, you believe that a lot of the truly legitimate functions of the ATF could be outsourced to other agencies, or not just at the federal level, either, right?
1: I do. Um, in in fact, um, you know, one of the things that we do as management consultants when we come in to, to work with a client and to sort of fix things that have broken is we look for opportunities to shed non-core functions right things that we shouldn't be doing ourselves or things that other people could do for us better cheaper faster and we we try to offload those things and and focus on the core mission so you know again a bit of a thought exercise imagine if you will a reoriented ATF that was promoting the second amendment rights of americans and what would that then look like and and so You know, do we have firearms laws and do we have firearms crimes? Yes, we absolutely do. And so we do need to enforce the law, but I would separate at a high level, I would separate the function of creating regulations and enforcing regulations into two different agencies. So I would have, in in my case, uh, what I was what I was suggesting here. And again, I'm open to, open to other suggestions. That's one of the great things about consulting is you get a lot of folks in a room and we start talking about this and thinking about it, and g- good ideas come from that. But the FBI could easily take over the law enforcement function. Um, now, look, the FBI's got its own problems, and I'd be the first to admit that. Maybe we need to talk, maybe the next article needs about re- reforming the FBI or transforming the FBI, but the FBI is the federal law enforcement agency where those kinds of functions could land. And I would like to see, in addition to you know disseminating some of the current ATF functions and responsibilities to other agencies, I'd like to see the state step up and, and, and play a role here. It doesn't all have to be done at the federal level. So that's that's one idea. State law enforcement could could pick up the responsibility for uh, and certainly couldn't do a, a worse job uh, in my view uh, than the ATF has done in sort of enforcing you know u s. gun laws and uh, preventing uh, you know illegal transfers of guns to other countries and to drug cartels. but i but I wanted our readers to sort of think about this. I mean, can you imagine you mentioned this earlier, the second class nature of the Second Amendment? Could you imagine a Bureau of Religion, Free Speech, and News Media? You know, something like that. I ask our readers to sort of think through that with me. We wouldn't stand for it. I, I don't think conservatives, liberals alike would stand for that kind of an agency uh, being uh, put forward to uh, to block uh, the freedom of worship or freedom of speech of average Americans. Yet we tolerate, for some reason, this Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, because it's "quote unquote" in the public safety. But it comes back to this: this we've lost our way from what our founders really envisioned this new form of government doing, and it really was about protecting the rights of the citizens, not not codifying them in such a way that as to make them more difficult to exercise. Right? That's not what the founders wanted um you know washington dc looks at the rest of us as um quite frankly incapable of carrying on our lives um uh freely and safely and without hurting each other and so um this idea of the nanny state is is one that that you know we we see this embodied in many of the federal agencies and i i think we either have to you know, change out the leadership of the ATF and change the culture there. And I go into detail why, why that, you know, how you do that and why that's so hard to, to do successfully, or you just need to abolish the, the the ATF. And Congress, in my view, plays a pivotal role here. Congress has got to step up and do what it has failed to do for decades now, which is to legislate and be the deliberative body where we put idea, ideas are put forward and they are tested and debated and discussed and ultimately decided upon by, by a vote of, of Congress, but those people represent us. We send them there and we can remove them if we like, and again, that's that can be easier said than done, but we have that ability as opposed to these bureaucrats in the administrative state and the executive branch where we have little to no accountability or control, and so. I'd like to see um I'd like to see the second amendment community talk about this more. I'd like to see conservatives talk about this more. And, fr- and quite frankly I think this is a message that independents and even liberals could wrap their heads around. Why are we allowing the government the federal government apparatus to infringe upon the rights of of, of uh, average uh, Americans that um pose no threat to public safety quite frankly.
0: Yeah. I um uh... I, I I will say I think you're uh, 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 a little optimistic about how this would be received by liberals, <laughs> but uh, only because you know. Listen, I I think you could make the case, um, to a liberal that uh, you know. Listen, uh, once a Republican uh, is in charge, right? Uh, imagine these abuses being directed against uh, against you, against people on the left. Um, and and maybe that would be a uh, an argument that would win some converts. But, you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of folks on the left who like the idea of a nanny state. They they like the idea of, uh, you know, big brother taking care of you and uh, giving up your rights in exchange for the promise of uh, safety and security. So I think that that's a, 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 a tough road. Um, and I think, you know, honestly, I mean, if we're talking about this from a practical perspective, you're absolutely right about Congress. Um, and it's I mean, look, if, if you're if you're an elected politician, it's 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 beneficial to you to outsource your authority to these bureaucratic agencies. Right. So you can say, well, it wasn't my fault. I didn't do it. It was, you know, the ATF or uh, the FBI or, uh, you know, all of these other uh, alphabet agencies. So first of all, you've got to change the culture of Congress. Right. Um, none of what we're talking about is easy. Um, in fact, I would say none of what we're talking about is particularly practical at the moment because it does require a sort of root and branch overhaul, not just of the ATF, and not even really just the executive branch, but but of the legislative branch as well. You've got to start electing representatives who actually want to represent you, who want to do the job that they are that they're supposed to do, and that's a tough job. Um, who are engaged in you know substantive reforms as opposed to petty squabbles. Um, you know that that that's a sea change in and of itself. And if you get that, then maybe you don't actually need to abolish the ATF. But maybe once that body of, of actual lawmakers is present in Congress, then maybe the reforms that would be necessary, the wholesale reforms that you talk about, maybe those could take place. I, you know, But this is, to me, one of the things that's so frustrating about DC is that when you start to try to peel back this onion... You just find all of these layers of incompetence and layers of maliciousness and layers of bureaucracy. And and I think we get so frustrated, we just throw up our hands and we say, ah, you know, nothing's really going to change. And I I don't think that that's the case. I think that we can make these changes. We just have to want to make these changes. We have to believe that they're possible. Um, And then to, as you say, start to have this conversation, right? Uh, Look, Joe Biden uh and you wrote about this uh, in your piece you know he's got the office of gun violence prevention now right he's doing all of the things that the gun control activists want he is he is basically weaponizing the atf to serve as a gun control uh, agency in congress so why aren't republicans talking about uh, abolishing the atf or reforming the atf getting it back to uh, or, or transforming the atf as you talk about why are we not having that conversation Uh, to counter what the Biden administration is doing with the ATF. And I I think you're spot on when you talk about the need to address this. I just don't know. I I don't know who is going to be that figure on the right who who, who does do that and who does talk about transforming the agency. I mean, you look at Donald Trump. When he was in office, you know, he called on the ATF to ban bump stocks administratively, right? That's a case that's now going up before the Supreme Court. So I don't know that Trump's the guy to say, I'm going to, you know, abolish the ATF or transform the ATF. I mean, maybe, you know, he he says one thing one week and does something else the next week. And, you know, he doesn't even have a problem with it. So maybe Trump can make that pivot. Um, but I think it's going to take a concerted effort on the part of conservatives, on the part of Republicans to make the case that you have made at bearing arms, as to why this is necessary, why this is not going to negatively impact public safety, uh, why it's actually going to, you know, uh, streamline efficiency, improve public safety, because for a lot of voters, uh, sadly, they they're either the segment is just not a big issue for them, or they've bought into the idea that by sacrificing a right to keep and bear arms, we can somehow make this country a safer place.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think it goes to sort of orientation. I mean, t- generally speaking, I'm going to paint with a broad brush, right? But conservatives, we tend to react to the things the left does, right? The left learned a long time ago that, that wielding power allows them to have the control over, uh, you know, others that they seek. And so when they get into uh, elected office or or get into these bureaucratic, uh, you know, unaccountable positions. They aren't afraid to wield power, and we we are left oftentimes just to react to the things that they're doing. Right. This was sort of my point in 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 um, in thinking about what Lee had written is to say, you know it's almost a reaction. We're just trying to undo what, what, what he's doing, but maybe if we had our own plan, like we went in and said, okay, these are the things we're going to do. There's been talk about dismantling the department of education since Ronald Reagan was right, never happened. But if we're going to get back to a federal government that respects the rights um, of American citizens and legislators that view themselves as members of society not above society not above their constituents and those they they were elected to represent but as as fellow citizens we've got to start rolling back some of these things and i think i think we should be making these big arguments to conservatives i think we're i mean i think it, people are afraid to do it because they're they're worried about the impact it might have, you know, being called crazy by the media and, and not being able to fundraise effectively and scaring off, you know, big donors and and that kind of thing. And I think it's going to take somebody with the courage to to not to not be afraid of of, of the impacts here, but really talk to conservatives and those that uh, love liberty of of whatever political stripe, but just those that say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to I want to." I want to step back. We need to rethink what we've what we've built here over the particularly the last you know 70, 80 years since World War II and, and, and really, you know, uh in the 20th century. Is is this the right direction for the federal government? Has it is it doing what we want it to do as a people, or is it interfering with um our clearly enumerated rights? I I I I don't think. Anyone would argue. Um, well, maybe some would argue, and it would be funny to watch them argue that the federal government isn't isn't intrusively restricting rights across the board. First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment. I mean, you just go down the list, and you see the infringements on our freedoms that have been put forward. All in all, in the name of uh, you know, it's always. There's always some good behind it, some virtuous idea behind these uh, infringements, but we're not getting the bargain that we were told we would get, right? We're not getting the public safety that we were told we needed, right? We needed the ATF to regulate firearms more aggressively, and and Congress gave them power through the Gun Control Act and the National Firearms Act to, to regulate firearms we were told this would would make things better, and I, I I think we can all agree we haven't seen much evidence of things getting better. So so let's step back and say okay, things didn't work the way we we thought they would. Let's let's abolish some of these agencies. Let's get rid of them. Let's transform the functions that um, at, at the federal level so that we can get back to preserving freedom. As the as the founders envisioned, our government's uh, primary responsibility was.
0: Well, listen, I uh, I think you've given us a lot of food for thought, and may, may I just make a it was one more suggestion here? Because I think, you know, none of this happens, none of this can happen, none of this is possible unless we replace Joe Biden in twenty twenty four, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the first step, and and once that is accomplished, then we can start to talk about. Uh, Um, uh, transforming or abolishing the ATF, but you're going to have to have somebody in the agency while that transition is taking place. So Ryan, I nominate you to be the next ATF director. I I want you to know that uh, if Joe Biden is ousted in 2024, I'm going to be calling on you to be confirmed as the next ATF director. Would you accept if, uh, if that position was offered to you?
1: I, you know, it would not be the first time that I was hired to do something and work myself out of a job. So that was uh, I would gladly take on the responsibility of dismantling the ATF.
0: I am uh, looking forward to hopefully making that happen uh, in the next administration. Ryan Petty, as always, my friend, thank you so much for giving us food for thought. Thank you for uh, all of your contributions to bearing arms and for everything you do to truly uh, improve public safety and protect our right to keep arms at the same time. We really appreciate you. Thank you. My thanks to Ryan for joining us on the program and um, kicking off what I uh, hope will be a conversation we'll be uh, having throughout the 2024 election cycle. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a case out of Florida, a Coral Springs, Florida man arrested after pointing an AR-15. Into traffic. Now, that alone would have been enough to uh, get him arrested, but oh, Kieran Ravi Singh is facing so many more charges as a result of uh, his idiocy. Uh, According to authorities, he was drunk, or at least had uh, consumed alcohol, before he allegedly walked out of a uh, bar and grill into a uh, parking lot retrieved a ar-15 from his friend's pickup truck and then pointed the gun into heavy traffic as well as at the sky uh is a convicted felon on probation legally barred from possessing a firearm according to coral springs police he was charged with multiple crimes on sunday including possession of a firearm by a convicted felon improper exhibition of a firearm openly carrying a firearm and disorderly intoxication also ordered held without bond due his alleged probation Violation. Singh, according to authorities, had been hanging out with a couple of friends inside the restaurant, including a man who identified himself as the owner of the rifle and pickup in question. Man told police that he gave Singh his keys and said, Hey, go start the truck. I got to go to the bathroom. Singh went out to the truck. And then grabbed the rifle and, uh, again, allegedly pointed it at, at uh, heavy traffic as well as up into the sky. His buddy came out of the restaurant, saw what was going on, took the uh, gun from uh, Singh. When police arrived after the incident, they found Singh, at the time shirtless, uh, and his buddies standing next to the truck. Uh, all three men taken into custody. Two friends, including they were all three uh, individuals, to say two men and one woman, um, taken into custody. But the two friends were not charged, Singh, the only one, again, facing uh, formal charges. Uh, according to Coral Springs Police, Singh has previous convictions this year for attempted burglary, robbery by sudden snatching, as well as aggravated stalking, is also subject to an active injunction in a domestic violence case, uh, which again begs the question, why was Mr. Singh out? Again, these were crimes he was convicted of earlier this year. Fairly serious, right? Attempted burglary, robbery, aggravated stalking. And yet, it appears that uh, any sentence that uh, Mr. Singh received for those crimes was a, a very short stay behind bars and a very uh, lengthy probationary sentence, a sentence which, again, he is accused of already violating. Today's Armed Citizens story also from Florida, where a, a man accused of second-degree murder has had charges dropped after his attorney filed a motion to dismiss based on Stand Your Ground. Now, I, I would say that ultimately Stand Your Ground was less important to this case than the uh, video evidence that this uh, attorney was able to uh, retrieve, showing that his client did not fire first, that he was actually firing back at individuals who were shooting at him. Um, so this was in Orange County, a gentleman named Rafael Villaverde. He spent 14 months in jail, accused of second-degree murder, for the death of 21-year-old Dylan Jimenez after he and his brother, 28-year-old Brian Richardson, took part in a uh, shooting back uh, in August of 2022. Michael Mann is the attorney who represents Villa Verde, pro bono. He said video evidence from outside the home at the uh, Heritage Hotel is pretty clear-cut and shows that Villa Verde shot his weapon in self-defense. Mann said, usually you don't have video in these types of cases, but it was directly under two cameras. Unfortunately, we have the video to show first that he didn't shoot first. He got shot multiple times before he even raised his weapon. Now, what's interesting here is man is the fifth attorney to represent Villaverde since August of last year. A friend reached out to uh, the attorney through Facebook. He's the only one, at least the first attorney to have filed a motion Showing that his client was defending himself the uh, day of the shooting, he uh, said, you know, listen, nobody really put a large focus on a straight-up dismissal. That was the only thing I focused on. Um, during the uh, standard ground hearing last week, Villaverde's attorney argued that he never fired a gun, never raised his own gun until Jimenez had already shot him. Villaverde said the day of the shooting, he felt like he was in danger once he was approached by the two men. He said they already came with the firearm the first time, so now I feel threatened. And you come with the firearm again, I'm scared if I die, I won't be with my kids anymore. Villaverde was shot eight times. He spent a month in the hospital before going to jail. He says, I wasn't even looking as I was getting shot. If my mind or my heart would have told me to run away, I would have got shot in the back. I was really scared. Villaverde, a uh, licensed security guard, um, says he wants to go back to work. Says he's not sure that he's going to go back to work with a firearm. He says, as far as holding a firearm again, I don't know. But I want to be an officer again. Man, Said that the prosecution should never have filed charges against Villaverde in the first place. And he says he shouldn't have sat in jail that long either. Uh, he says they plan to go after the state for malicious prosecution. And, uh, you know, uh, look, I I'm not privy to all the intricacies of this case. Um, but if there really is video evidence showing that Villaverde did not fire first, and there's Villaverde, uh, you can see on the right-hand side of your screen uh, being shot at. Yeah, you have to wonder why on earth were charges filed in the first place, and for goodness sakes, why was this man held behind bars for 14 months if prosecutors had evidence showing that he didn't shoot first, that he fired back only after he had been shot? Again, we we only are hearing basically one side of this story right now, Um, but the fact that the case was dismissed, I think lends uh, a great deal of weight to uh, Mann's assertion that uh, this was uh, really a case of railroading, a malicious prosecution against his client. So we'll uh, keep our eyes on this story and bring any more details as they become available. Finally, today a good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, we'll be able to do the right thing. Uh, a restaurant owner and her customers in Wisconsin. Uh, Antigo, Wisconsin, I believe it's I might be pronouncing this name uh, incorrectly But uh, in Wisconsin Farmer's Home Restaurant It's been uh, open for business for more than 100 years The uh, current owner, Tracy Bussey Says that uh, folks In the area love coming back She said if the walls could talk, I'd probably have a complete story But she said she wanted To try something that she had seen Elsewhere on social media She said on Facebook, I've seen a post where they were Doing it down in Baraboo, Wisconsin Where they were paying it forward so basically, the restaurant is now offering a service where people can come in and prepay for somebody else's meal. Just something really simple. She said, uh, never in a million years would I think that me, Tracy Busby would have all this limelight, never in a million years. But since starting this last month, the restaurant has raised over $3,000. She says, I can't believe all the support that we've gotten. Uh, Sean Ritter is a uh, regular at the restaurant, and he says what the uh, farmer's home is doing for the community is incredible. He says nowadays it's hard to make ends meet. And, you know, sometimes people got to skimp on certain things, not have a full belly. And this is something that definitely helps, brings people back into the community. She says, uh, Bussy says she wants people to know that uh, the restaurant will be there for folks in need. She says, my slogan is that you're never alone at farmer's homes. If you come in, we're going to treat you like family. Everybody's always welcome here. And uh, when she was asked how long they're going to continue doing this service, she said as long as they possibly can. So, you know, kudos to uh, Tracy Bussey for the idea, but also kudos to all of the customers who are helping to make that idea a reality. Just something simple. You know, I've got a little bit of extra cash. Somebody might not have the cash for a hot meal. I'll do what I can to make sure that uh, they can get Again, that uh, food in their belly. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Tracy Bussey and the customers of the Farmer's Home Restaurant there in Wisconsin, we thank you for your very, very good deed. And that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company. But I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow, Wednesday, for another edition. And don't forget, Wednesday is also the day that uh, hot airs Ed Morrissey and myself do our weekly uh, live chat for our VIP gold members. It is one of my favorite hours of the work week, probably the favorite hour of the work week for me, if I'm being honest. And I would love for you to be a part of it. All you have to do, become a VIP member yourself. Uh, go to bearingarmscom slash subscribe. Use the promo code gun And you can get a significant savings on your VIP or VIP gold membership. As our way of saying, thanks for showing your support. We're going to give you exclusive content, news stories, analysis. You won't find anywhere else because your support really does matter. and It truly does make a difference. So thank you again. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.